Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is certainly good to see all of you here tonight. Uh, everyone here on campus, welcome. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we're so glad you've chosen to make uh, uh, this service part of your evening, and we know it'll be a blessing to you. Why don't we stand together tonight uh, and just let's take a few moments to uh, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise, and just, just create an atmosphere here tonight where God can work. Would you do that with me tonight? Jesus, we praise you. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. Lord, and we are here tonight in one mind and one accord to lift you up. Lord, we believe that you inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, and I know that you are in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. You are welcome here. Lord, I pray you would anoint everything that's said and done on the campus tonight. Lord, anoint this service. Lord, anoint kids' church. Lord, let your will be done. Let your presence be manifest here tonight. Let us leave changed by your word, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands to the Lord tonight in victory and thanksgiving and praise? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you tonight, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you tonight. God bless you. You may be seated. If you're glad to be here, just look at somebody nearby, give them a big smile and say, I'm glad to be here. <clears throat> Amen. I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad you're here. It's certainly good to see all of you tonight. Would like to remind you of a couple of things in case you missed it. Just a, just a reminder, the Christmas banquet, church-wide Christmas banquet is coming up Friday night, December 16th. Everybody say December 16th. That's only just a couple of weeks away. It's not, that's coming up quicker than we may realize. So I want you to mark your calendar, make your plans. That'll be from 7 to 10 that Friday night. And we have now set up a tab on Easy Tithe so that you can pay for your ticket, the ticket of your family. And as Pastor announced um, on Sunday, uh, the, the, essentially, the long story short is tickets are half price, thanks to Grace Church picking up some of that and deferring some of that expense. So ages 5 to 12, the ticket cost is $7.50, 13 and up, $15. Under 5 would be free, no charge there. And so just make your way over to the website or the app, click on the tab, and you can go ahead and pay for your ticket. And don't forget, Brother Greg Albritton will be with us that evening. Um, and as Pastor has announced, it's going to be an evening of fun, fellowship. Uh, with Pastor, when we were planning this, talking about it, he said, look, I want it to be just a lot of fun. We're not going to get too serious and, and, and just enjoy the evening together. I think you'll be hearing from some of our students uh, by, by way of comedy. Also, Brother Greg will be um, providing some, some comedy that evening. So we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. And then on the 18th of December, really that same weekend, that Sunday, will be the Grace Church Christmas service. God with us is our theme this year. Always a tremendous service. I, look for, I truly look forward to this service every single year. It's going to be great. And so come uh, bring somebody with you, and let's have a great Christmas service on the 18th, and then finally, the Christmas for Christ deadline is also that Sunday. That's the offering we received that supports North American missions, and so go ahead and plan now to make plans to give and have that offering in by Sunday, December 18th. Amen? Amen. All right. That is, um, you're caught up. You're in the know. You have all of the information, so 
uh, you should feel really good about that. I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight. I am always inspired and challenged by folks that take the call to preach the gospel to the whole world. Uh, I, I don't want to say they take it seriously, but I want to say they have a special burden and calling to do that. Those that have dedicated their lives in the fullest sense to take the gospel to the, to the regions beyond, as the Apostle Paul says. And tonight we're honored to have Brother David Cadd with us, missionary to Madagascar and the Congo. Uh, he and his wife and family have dedicated their lives to, to missions, to spreading the gospel. And he's going to come tonight with a presentation and uh, deliver his burden, deliver his vision. We're looking forward to it. But before he comes, one more time, would you just raise your hands heavenward and let's pray God's anointing on this part of the service, the remainder of the service. Jesus, pray to anoint Brother Cad to preach the word, anoint him to share his vision, anoint him to share, Lord, what you are doing in the regions beyond, God. Maybe things we have not yet heard, but, Lord, that you are doing. We, we uh, open up our hearts. We open up our spirits, Lord. We, we are ready for our faith to be challenged, God, and we want to go to the next level. Granted, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Brother Cad. We're glad you're here. Church, would you make him welcome? God bless you. Praise the Lord, everyone. You may be seated. I was telling your pastor earlier, so I intend to get everyone out of here promptly at 8.30 on time. Because I know folks have to work in the morning. And uh, I might have some driving to do tomorrow as well. Uh, so I have no fear. <laughs> My eye is on the clock. Uh, in Bible college, one of our instructors told us he was a very big stickler on time. And as we were doing our, uh, our, our I guess you call it, week of anointing at TBC, he told us beforehand, he said, I don't care. If angels are walking up and down the aisles, and I don't care if fire has fallen and consumed the pulpit, when your 10 minutes are up, your 10 minutes are up. <laughs> so with that in mind, I will keep my eye on the clock. <laughs> it's a great honor and a privilege to be here. I am from a land far, far away, or I work in a land far, far away. They call it the island at the end of the world. Or as some of you might know it, as the place where the lemurs like to move it, move it. <laughs> Going to go ahead and break the ice. We've all been thinking it. No one wants to say it, so I'll say it so you don't have to. <laughs> we do actually have, believe it or not, dancing lemurs. And if you go look it up, you can also discover that Africa actually does contain penguins. Little known facts. <laughs> South Africa, the bottom of South Africa is actually within range of penguins uh, they have penguins at the bottom of South Africa uh, believe it or not, so you can go look that up when you get home the nation of Madagascar is such a unique uh, nation, most of its I'd say 70-80% of its wildlife and animal plant life is all unique to the island, so that means when I when I stare out the window, 70 to 80 percent of what I'm looking at can only be seen there. It can't be spotted anywhere else in the world. Uh, and so it's such a unique, unique uh, country. My wife likes to joke and uh, compare it to, and if you've ever seen or, or read one of the, the books, uh, it looks like a Dr. Seuss book. 
If you've ever cracked open one of those old Dr. Seuss books and you've seen strange looking animals and weird shaped plants and uh, all kinds of crazy looking things, uh, there are in fact trees that uh, could quite literally have been taken straight out of a Dr. Seuss book and planted in Madagascar. Uh, uh, everything, we're just missing a Lorax, I guess. Uh, that's about it. But, uh, and so it's, it, is, it is a very unique island in how that it looks. But one of the most unique things about that island is what God has done in it. Uh, God has uh, worked an incredible revival across that nation. The, the work in Madagascar started 52 years ago. So in the terms of a work, 52 years is not very old. Uh, 52 years is very young for the age of a work. Uh, national, you compare it to the UPCI here in America and uh, the apostolic uh, uh, outpouring at Azusa Street even before that. Uh, so we, we, we had, we're twice, twice that uh, in the United States in terms of years. Uh, so, so the work in Madagascar is still young, even 52 years ago. And I want you to keep that number in your mind because I'm going to explain to you the, the birth, the genesis of the work in Madagascar. And I want to show you where God has taken this work in such a short amount of time. The work began with one man by the name of Denzel Richardson, who was a, uh, he used to be, before he was in church, he was an alcoholic and he worked at a steel mill in, in Ohio, I believe it was. And, and uh, God got a hold of him and someone uh, witnessed to him, one of his co-workers, and he got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name and God uh, gave him a calling and a burden for the nation of Madagascar. And he arrived in 1970, I believe it was, uh, in the nation of Madagascar, speaking exactly no Malagasy words, which is a problem. Can you imagine for a moment? You just showed up to a country, and you are responsible for starting not just one church, but all of it, everything, the whole organization, from, from top to bottom. From national superintendent down to the Bible colleges, down to the men's ministry, the women's ministry, children's department, uh, the evangelist, the, everything that goes into church, you you got to start. you got to replicate it and create it. And here is Brother Denzel Richardson sitting out there in the middle of the road going, I don't speak a single word of this language. I don't have a single contact in this country. I, I know nobody. I, I don't... I have my search for truth chart, and I have my my my, my pamphlets with uh, Deuteronomy six four and Acts two thirty eight, and the explanations of the uh, fundamentals of our doctrine, all printed in English. Here I am in a country where nobody speaks English, and so what he would do is he would walk around the marketplace and he would cry out, "Does anybody speak English? Does anybody speak English?" What a way to start a work. That's how the work in Madagascar started, by a man crying out in the marketplace saying, does anybody here speak English? Just, just walk up to a crowd of people that were minding their own business and just, just saying, hey, does anyone here speak English? And just moving on to the next one and to the next one and to the next one until finally he found one lady, a professor at the university there that spoke English, gave her a Bible study. She got the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name and became the first translator in Madagascar. From there the door was opened and the work began to grow. Brother Denzel Richardson planted eight churches and started a Bible college basically in his garage. It was very rudimentary, it was very crude, it was very basic. But the foundation had been laid 
for God to do something truly remarkable and something truly unique in that country. It had, it has, uh, they call it Madagascar's miracle story. And in fact, there's a book by that name. Uh, it used to be in print at some point by the Pente- Pentecostal blah, blah, PPH, uh, PPH, Pentecostal Publishing House. So if you, yeah, I don't think it's still in print, but if you do by any chance find, find, get your hands on a copy, I would recommend uh, that you read about Madagascar's miracle story because it truly was a miracle from God uh, how this happened. And so Brother Denzel Richardson retired from the field with just eight churches to show, which uh, doesn't sound like a whole lot, but you've got to understand that this was the man who plowed the field. This was the man that pulled out the stones. This was the man that, that, that made sure that everything behind him was going to have success. That this was the man who laid the foundation, so to speak. He didn't get to build the rest of the house. He didn't get to see the crops grow. And he didn't get to see really much of the harvest. But, but he got the foundation built. And he got it built strong. And uh, his, his son took over. And Brother Jerry Richardson took over and was missionary there for several years and, and uh, the, the work began to grow, and we began to get up into the hundreds of churches now. And, and boy, we thought we were having revival. We thought we were having revival. But we had no idea what God had in store just around the corner. That's one of the interesting things about God, is whenever you think, uh, whenever you think you've got it big, God's saying, hey, I've got something a whole lot larger just around the corner. If you, you think this is something incredible, you should see what else I should do. I can't tell you how many times in my life and how many times in your life, I'm sure there are testimonies all over this place where whenever you have, you have thought this, this is God can't do better, He does. Brother Jerry Richardson was voted in, elected as the um, regional director for Africa. So he stepped away from his position in Madagascar and, and uh, turned it over to his son. So now we're at the grandson, Brother Chris Richardson, who's there now as the head missionary. Brother Chris Richardson took over and the work began to explode. We have today in the nation of Madagascar over 1,100 churches and over 250,000 saints in 52 years. 52 years ago, It was one man crying out in a marketplace, does anybody speak English? 52 years ago, that is how it began. And now today, we have a quarter of a million saints across the entire island. We don't even have a way for us to all gather together. There is no building. There is no space. Uh, The capital city is is 2 million people. So if we... We, we, we brought in 250,000 people. That would, be a, that would actually be a sizable chunk. That's, uh, that, that would be, what, an eighth of the entire capital city uh, would just be us. So it's, it's, it's absolutely staggering to see what God can do in such a short amount of time. That, that God doesn't need uh, centuries and God doesn't need millennia. And I, I want you to know that in your life as well, that also applies. It doesn't just apply to Madagascar, but that applies to your life and my life as well. That there may, there may be some things you've been praying for for years and you may be thinking, oh man, it's going to take decades and it's going to take... Uh, let me tell you this, don't ever underestimate the value of a single moment with God. Don't ever estimate, underestimate the value of a single moment with God. It can change the trajectory of your entire 
life. One single moment is what God took to transform Saul into Paul. The church's greatest enemy became its greatest champion in one single moment with God. Where God completely changed everything. And so you may have things and issues and problems and prayer requests in your life that you're sitting there saying... Man, this is going to take years to sort out, and this may take decades. And, and, and if mankind was responsible for that, then yes, it may take decades. But when God's in it, oh, it can just take a single moment. Just a single moment. God can do an incredible thing in a very short amount of time. And it was absolutely amazing to see what God did in the nation of Madagascar. Uh, in 52 years, we went from one to 250,000 people. They call it the land of never-ending revival, and it's, uh, it's true. From almost day one, as soon as the first translator got the Holy Ghost, that was it. It was off we went, and God did an incredible work there. We are also missionaries to another country, the Democratic Republic of Congo. This country could not be more different than Madagascar, especially when it comes to the churches there. Uh, we have a very small work there, just 20 churches that are there. Uh, and it, to explain it to you like this, it would basically be like me pastoring at a mega church and me pastoring at a little storefront. That, that, is, that, is about, that is about the differences in works that we're working with. In Madagascar, we have a quarter of a million saints. Uh, in Congo, we'll be lucky if we have a quarter of a single saint. And so the work is totally different, but the needs are always the same. There's that common need across all of humanity, that need of Jesus, that, that, that we truly cannot do it on our own, that, that we're not able to just uh, make our own way throughout life with, with no help from God, that we truly do need God, and that uh, all of humanity needs God. And the Democratic Republic of Congo is certainly no exception to this rule. One of our goals when we get there is to build a Bible college in the bottom of the country. There's a province there called the Katanga province. Uh, it's one of the uh, wealthiest provinces, mineral-rich, wealthy uh, provinces in the entire world. Uh, chances are if you have a cell phone, if you have a smartphone, you probably, there's a very good piece, chance that you have a piece of the Democratic Republic of Congo in your pocket. Now you know. <laughs> You've been carrying around the DRC in your pocket uh, for quite some time. Uh, it, is, it is an area that is uh, uh, resource rich and a little bit of interesting history about it. It used to be its own independent country, uh, the Katanga province, for a very short amount of time before it eventually merged with the DR Congo. Uh, in, fact, the, the, in fact, the two atom bombs we dropped in World War II, the uranium actually was mined there. Uh, uh, and so it's, uh, it, it has certainly played a, a, a world stage, but it's been subtle, just as it is subtle now. Uh, most people don't realize how much of their smartphone uh, originates in the DR Congo uh, in a mine somewhere. And so it, it, it is an uh, interesting area, interesting country, and we're going to be setting up shop there about a year into our next term to start a Bible college. Again, Bible college is the key. Let me explain to you briefly why. A good church planner, a good church planner, can maybe build 10 to 12 churches in his entire life. 10 to 12, and that's if you're good. But in a Bible college, instead of building the church, you can build the pastor. 
And if you build the pastor, you can build 50, 100, 200 in a single year. And they will go out and build the church. And they will go out and build it. Not only will they build it, but they will build it better than me, the foreigner, will build it. They will, they will not fall into the same pitfalls that me, a person who is uh, on the outside of the culture, uh, uh, would, would deal with. They're going to know all the insides, and they're going to know what to do and what not to do instinctively. They're not going to have to figure that out or learn that the hard way. They're just going to know. And so that's why in Africa especially you will see if you've ever talked to any African missionaries, uh, chances are they will at some point in their missions presentation talk about Bible college because it is, it is the only way we can keep up. We have 100 million people in the DR Congo that we have to reach. And I'm sorry, but 12 churches just isn't going to cut it. That, those would be some pretty big churches. <laughs> and so we turn to Bible colleges. And replicate ourselves into as many young men and women as we possibly can. And we send them out into the fields. And we send them out into the cities. Into the highways. Into the byways. Every village. Every, every little place. And there they begin to start their own work. So I would ask as a prayer request that you, you do pray for us. When you do pray for us, pray a couple of things. There's two things specifically that I would like for you to pray for with the DR Congo. The first is unity. Without unity, nothing gets done. You can have all the resources in the world. You can have all the manpower in the world. Without unity, nothing gets done. If you want a biblical reference, you can look at the Tower of Babel. By dividing languages, he disunified them. And nothing got done. The work ceased. They had all the manpower. They had all the talent. They had all the skills. They had all the equipment. And still, they were not able to do it because they were disunified and so we can take a lesson in a little bit in that and realize that if we are going to do anything for God if we're going to do anything for the kingdom we have to be unified that that not just not just with uh, with a church overseas but also in this church and with the church across town and with the church in the next county we've we have to be unified we have to actually say you know what you are my brother and you are my sister and I'm I'm going to love you and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to worship uh, uh, worship God beside you and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to fast and I'm going to love on you and I'm going to make sure that everything is done in unity because when there is unity then then we can get to work and so I would ask that you do pray that we are able to foster and build a culture and a spirit of unity in the work. Uh, that, is a, that is not a, uh, an idle prayer request. That is, I'm not just saying that to say that. There was a lot of issues in the past. This is a work that has survived a work split. and uh, So we lost a lot of our churches years ago. And so they are dealing with the ramifications and the aftershocks of that. Uh, so I'm not just saying unity for, for just... For just saying it, I'm saying it because we—that is a specific need that we need to be unified if we're going to do anything. And the second would be pray that we do get uh, favor with the government, so that way we can get a Bible college set up and begin to train those preachers and train those pastors to go out and to reach the nation. I do have one short scripture I want to give to you guys today. Again, just a quick word of encouragement. Uh, it's found in Luke chapter one, verse thirty-seven. And um, I feel like I have been beating this drum for two years, uh, and I will continue for the last two weeks of deputation. <laughs> but it's a very simple scripture, and I won't be long. And it simply says, For with God nothing shall be 
impossible. We've got to understand at this point in this, this, this chapter that, that the angel has come and has talked to Mary and said, Hey, Mary, I've got some news for you. I'm about to tell you a couple important things that you need to know. The first thing that he said, Hey, Mary, by the way, I want you to know the name of God. I could stop and teach on this for an hour. And maybe you don't understand, so I'll give you a very brief synopsis. But everybody in the Old Testament, it did not matter who they were. It did not matter how great they were. It did not matter how faithful they were. They would have given, they would have given an arm to know what Mary had just been told. Isaiah was sitting there hearing from God. And, and God spoke to Isaiah and said, he shall be called. He imagined in that moment as, as, as God saying, Hey, this is the name. Can you imagine for a moment Isaiah's heart beginning to beat as he's going, This is it. This is finally it. This is it. God's about to reveal the name. And then all of a sudden, God says, Wonderful counselor the mighty God. You imagine maybe that, that kind of that breath that Isaiah just blew just went man we were this close we were this close I thought I was going to be the one to finally learn the name but nope sorry Isaiah you're out of luck that's reserved for someone else a little later on. And so sitting here in this chapter, you have uh, Mary learning the name Jesus. And then secondly, not only that, it's all the, also the angel saying, oh, hey, by the way, uh, God's about to robe himself in flesh. And uh, he's going to enter this world through you. So immediately, you need to understand this conversation. She has just been presented, first off, with a piece of knowledge that she knew instinctively was about to split this entire kingdom wide open. That, that there, are, there are thousands of years of people that have been waiting and praying and desiring to know this piece of knowledge and she just got it handed it to her on a silver platter. She didn't have to sit there and do anything for this. That came free. Just, oh, by the way, here it is. And secondly, she's also been told that the Messiah is coming through her. Despite the fact that a certain biological process has not occurred. So she's sitting here with this incredible news and this, 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 this uh, uh, seemingly impossible thing that has also been just thrown at her all at once. And you can begin to imagine that Mary is sitting there saying, I can't do that. And the angel is saying, well, Mary, you're right. You absolutely can't do it. You're correct. You can't do that, Mary. But I've also got good news for you, Mary. You're not the one that's going to have to do it. This has nothing to do with you. 
This, the, you're, you're, you're just a minor uh, character in the story. Uh, uh, you're, you're just in a supporting role here, Mary. You don't actually have to do this. God is the one that's doing it. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. Have you ever sat there and faced an impossible situation in your life before? Have you ever sat there and you've received some news that may have turned your world upside down or had an event or something happened in your life where you were going, I don't know how that's going to happen. I know it's got to happen. I know it needs to happen. But I don't know how. Many times we concern ourselves with the whys and the hows. We ask God, why did this have to happen? Or how is it going to happen? When we should be concerning ourselves with the who. Who is going to make it happen? Don't worry about the whys. Don't worry about the how. Worry about the who. If you can focus on who is going to make it happen, the why it had to happen or the how it's going to happen are no longer even relevant anymore because you are focused in on the one person that's going to make it happen. We all deal with impossibilities. We all face things that are well beyond our control. And, uh, you know, it, it may be something as small. Young people, it may be just a test, test at school. It may be sitting there trying to figure something out. It could be something as major as a, as a, uh, as a court case or, 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 or bad news from a doctor or you're sitting there and you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills. It, it could be a broad range of things. But with God, with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. I want to encourage you a little bit on this Wednesday night to let you know that you're going to face things that are going to be impossible. You're going to face a lot of things in life that you're not going to be able to fix. You're not going to be able to navigate. You're not going to be sure what to do or how to do it. But if you can remember to do it with God, you will also understand that truly nothing shall be impossible. The work, the problems that we face in the Democratic Republic of Congo are absolutely staggering. I could be up here all night long talking about the impossibilities that we face. There are so many I could begin to list. We have basically what the remnants of a African world war, continent-wide war, still being fought in the east of Congo. There's still, there's still mass killings and uh, mass murder and rape in the east of the country. And uh, there's, there's no way uh, for the churches in the north of the country to talk to the churches in the south of the country because there's no roads. There's no way for us to even meet together. Uh, there, there, there's all kinds of things. There's, there's very little power. There's very little water. And, and that's on top of all the spiritual issues that we're having to face with disunity and uh, lack of resources and manpower. And so, so, so I want you to know that when I'm telling you these scriptures, I'm not just throwing them out there flippantly. But I'm, but I'm also I'm having to point to myself also tonight and say, yes, David, there's a lot of impossibilities there. But it's not the how and it's not the why that I need to focus on. But it's always the who. If I can focus on who is going to do it, and if I can focus on who is going to make it happen, the rest of the details do not matter. The rest of the details as why it had to happen or how it had to happen is not really going to matter in the grand scheme of things as long as I'm focusing on who is going to make it happen.
So be encouraged a little bit with that, with that scripture. I, I understand that uh, we're going into the holiday season. and uh, For some people, that's a time of great joy. But for others, it's also a time of great sorrow. And you can sit there and, and struggle with that sometimes. And I, I understand it. I've lost, actually, I've lost a lot of good mentors and people in my life on this deputation. Uh, I fully understand that. I have, I have seen a lot and lost a lot on this deputation. And there were many times where I would ask God why. And God would always reply with the same answer. Just trust me. Just trust me. There's going to be plenty of times where God is going to do the same thing. Where he's not going to tell you the why or the how. He's just going to say, just focus on the who. Just focus on me. Just trust me. I've got it under control. Be encouraged on this night. And know that God is with you. And that if God is with you, truly nothing, truly nothing shall be impossible. In the year 2020, we lost access to all conferences, crusades. We lost access to all Sunday services. We were dealing with a lot of impossibilities. So we begin to ask ourselves, how do you have church when everything's canceled? We can't go online. Most of our people don't even have electricity, much less Internet on top of that. That's a second bill, by the way, for the young folks that don't know. <laughs> You can have electricity and not have internet. It is possible. I've been that broke before. <laughs> and so we begin to sit around and talk and think, well, what do we do? We decided to decentralize the church, break it down into homes. Seven, eight here, nine, ten there, three or four there, whatever we could do. Our pastors would go from home to home, building by building. Preach five minutes and move on to the next one. Preach another three minutes, move on to the next one. Just whatever we could do to keep the work going that year. When everything else was shutting down and everything else was collapsing around us, we were fighting like crazy just to keep the church up and running by any means necessary. We went from having one service a week basically to six services a week. And it was kind of interesting how it happened. And I will tell you this, and I can ask, are there any smart Alex in the room? Raise your hands. I'll raise my hand too. A couple smart Alex. Yeah, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with it, mostly. <laughs> so the president got on, made an address, and this is the president of Madagascar. And he said, there's going to be no church on Sundays. Everybody else shut their doors and went home. The apostolic smiled from ear to ear and said, very well. We won't have church on Sunday. But from Monday to Saturday, we are going to have a rip-roaring revival all across this island. And that is exactly what happened. From Monday to Saturday, it was house to house, door by door, street by street. And I want to tell you that in a year where we could not have any regular Sunday services, where we couldn't have any Holy Ghost Crusades, we couldn't have our big general conference that you'll see here in a minute. We, despite all of that opposition, despite all of that impossibilities, we still had over 14,000 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name. 
with God. With God. It's the two words I want you to uh, grab hold of in this short message and take it out and take it home, that I have to be doing it with God. That, that if I truly am doing it with God, then nothing shall be impossible. We, we saw an incredible harvest that year. That was a year uh, we began to wonder if anything was going to happen. And we had a ton of people get the Holy Ghost that year. And so I do have a little bit of a video to show you. What you're going to see at the end of this video, I want to explain. You're going to see two different events happening, going back and forth. You will see our Holy Ghost Crusade in 2019 and also our General Conference in 2019. Of course, there is no 2020 footage of that uh, because there was none. And uh, something interesting about General Conference that I've always loved and I like to explain to people is this. On average, we will have anywhere from twenty to 30,000 people show up at General Conference. Massive, huge, open-air building. In fact, the, the people go so far back that sitting on the platform, you can almost begin to see it touch the horizon. It just disappears into the darkness. There's no light. There's, like our lights don't even beam far enough back there. And when that many people speak in tongues at the same time, it goes from a sound that you hear to a sound that you feel. When 20,000 people in unison hit the air, you can feel it punch up there on the platform. You can quite literally feel the wind go past you as the force of 20,000 people speaking in tongues with everything that they have. We've tracked the decibel levels up there with one of the actual uh, machines that measures it, and the needle will always be in the yellow, and it will be dipping into the red as these people are worshiping God. For those of you that don't know what that means, this is what it means. It means the noise of 20,000 people worshiping God is enough to make you go deaf. You think about that for one moment and you compare it to what's going to be unleashed in heaven where you will have millions that will sit there and begin to worship God and you begin to imagine the force that is going to be unleashed when millions of people, if 20,000 people is enough for me to sit there and feel it, you can feel it in your chest vibrating. You can feel that it's almost like standing near. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, a conference or something, got the big bass and the big speakers, and you get too close to it, you feel, your, feel your, your heart beating, sometimes faster than it's normally supposed to, or you can feel that vibration almost rattling through your bones. It's like that on the platform when 20,000 people are speaking in tongues. And so at the end of this video, you are going to begin to see uh, uh, bits and pieces of that and so I just wanted to tell you that ahead of time so that way you're looking for it and expecting it and uh, thank you so much for supporting Global Missions thank you so, so much for supporting uh, us and remember at the end of the day make sure you do it with God
name's David Cadd. And I'm his wife, Ashley. And we're missionaries here to Madagascar. I have certainly been humbled tonight by this presentation when he's talked about the revival and the growth that they've experienced, especially in, in Madagascar. I, I have to recognize, Brother David, that I believe there's a lot of pastors here in the States whose hearts burn for that kind of revival, for that kind of move of God to see over 14,000 people in that country receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost during the COVID-19 outbreak. It's humbling to me. And I want him to know, and I believe he knows it, and he's actually out of Brother Wayne Huntley's church, who is probably one of the most pro prolific faith and revival preachers the United Pentecostal Church has ever known. Um, you can see that coming from him tonight. But Brother Huntley's not the only one. 
Brother David Cat here tonight's not the only one. This pastor has a burn on the inside for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that would pack out this church in the stadium across the street and just keep on going and keep on going with that. I often ponder why Americans struggle so hard with revival and it just, it, is, it really hit me tonight. Yes, we want to pray for them, but buddy, I'd sure love for them to pray for us. I'd sure love for them to pray for us that somehow we could tap into that vein of the Holy Ghost and see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I perceive tonight, and I do understand, to have a revival of that magnitude with that many people, there has to be a hunger in the heart of the people. And we know that America, I'm not making excuses, but we are a land of pleasure and entertainment. And God's an afterthought, or at best a second thought, with a lot of people. That being said, I still believe there's a lot of hungry people around us. And so I'll ask Brother Cad tonight to pray for Grace Church when they pray that we could see a move of God on some proportion. I know God don't replicate outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and he has one for every culture, every race, every people. He never repeated anything like that in the book of Acts. And, uh, but whatever God wants to do here, I want him to have his way. Man, I want God to have his way here at Grace Church. And I thank God for that report. I thank God that against, and in the face of, I believe COVID was a devil from hell in my opinion. And I love the posture. I love the posture. Okay, we won't have church on Sunday. I knew immediately where he was going with that. That's just a God thing and to make it work. And I thank God for that. <clears throat> thank God for that. Thank you, uh, Brother Cad, for being here with us tonight. Thank you for pouring your heart out to appreciate what he had to say. I did. And uh, my faith tonight is challenged. I asked God when uh, Brother Dave had us pray when he opened the service. I asked God to challenge my faith here tonight, and he's done it. And I have preached with God all things are possible. I've preached that many, many times, and it was uh, I was reminded of it again. And I still believe it. And we have faced, this church has faced some very trying, planning to preach about it Sunday, some very trying times and difficult times and things that looked impossible. But God has come through every time. He has never failed. He has never failed us. And uh, we're going to talk about that, Lord willing, Sunday. I appreciate all of you being here. Thank you so very much for being here and um, opening your heart to the man of God, to the word of God tonight. And I deeply respect what he has had to say. Thank the Lord. And before we're dismissed tonight, if I may, uh, Sister Sheila Goins, you and the folks you've got to help you have made the church beautiful. And thank you. Thank you for that so very much. Appreciate that. Amen. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Fellowship with one another. And, uh, oh, by the way, um, before you dismiss, I mentioned to Brother Cat, he has seven more services to wrap up deputation. We've never had a missionary with that few service. I would have loved for us to have been the last one. He's finishing up in Louisiana District. Wouldn't that have been a great send-off uh, to, to be a part of that? And um, 
Louisiana is his last district and him and his wife and two very small children, uh, three years old and under one year old, will be headed back to Madagascar in their, their field of labor. And uh, we want them to know that our prayers are going to be with them. And I believe God's going to bring them back safely and I believe they're going to continue to witness an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that tonight? Thank the Lord. Let's thank the Lord tonight for his presence, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. We love you tonight. We're so thankful for your spirit, for your presence. Thank the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. If you have an opportunity, meet Brother Cat. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing all of you Sunday morning. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.